0: Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Yeah, very excited. The Christian walk. Welcome everybody to church. Good to be with you. Good, good, good to have that worship time together to praise God. It is Pentecost Sunday, and um, I'll make some connection to where we are today um, with Pentecost Sunday in just a few moments. But uh, this series is rooted in the Book of Ephesians, which is really fun. So if you want to kind of follow along with us, you can be reading through the Book of Ephesians. Uh, we will jump around just a bit, but uh, we're going to be talking about the Christian walk and and Ephesians actually actually has the word walk in regard to the Christian walk eight times written into the actual text. And so we will touch on those particular points, but there's so much more that alludes to the Christian walk, how we walk as followers of Jesus, how we interact with others as followers of Jesus. Um, But there is really a mega theme, and it's really going to be where we start today. And the mega theme of the book of Ephesians is the fact that God desires Unity. And so today, although we're talking about walking in the Spirit, it's Pentecost Sunday, we're going to be talking about walking in unity. And I I want to just build a case for unity. I mean, Paul's writing this to to the Ephesians, but he's writing from prison. He's already visited them twice. On his second missionary journey, he planted the church in Ephesus, and then he returns on his third missionary journey and stays. He stays for about three years and has a lot of tremendous, very successful ministry there. God uses him powerfully. And he writes this letter from prison, probably house arrest is more likely in Rome, and he writes this letter to them and um, it, when when Paul wrote letters to the church, he didn't just write it only for that church; he might have wrote, written it with specific cultural nuance that fit well with that particular church but it was written to all the churches and they would circulate these letters around so don't exclude yourself from the letter you're included because you're a part of the family of God and this letter was written to the church of which you are a part and so um, we're going to look at this walk in unity walk in the spirit the Christian walk I'm going to start in verse 3 And I want you just to keep in mind where Paul is writing from, okay? As he writes from prison, let's read it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And God's church said, Amen. amen. I mean, this is quite a verse. I love this verse for many reasons, but probably the most important one to me is that Paul is saying, I'm not going to even talk about my circumstance. I'm not even going to talk about where I'm at. I'm not going to talk about the problems I'm facing or the problems you're facing. I'm not going to talk about what's temporal, what's happening right now, how I'm feeling, how you're feeling. Let me just remind you, there is something about you that transcends it all And that's that you have every spiritual blessing waiting for you in heaven because of how good Jesus is. Hey, will you take that one as your own? Will you take that thought as your own? That you have every spiritual blessing waiting for you in the heavenly realms because of Jesus. And for that, we're really thankful. And then I'm going to continue with the thought. I'm going to jump into verse 9 and 10 where Paul begins to help us understand something even greater that gets us to the point of unity. And he starts here in verse 9 with he, which is talking about God. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure. And here it is. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And let me say That I would say not not just to do this, but only under Christ can these things be done. Friends, only under Jesus can this world truly have unity. I mean, people have been trying for a long time to get everybody together. People come together, right? We've been trying to get people together. But here's the thing. It's only Jesus... That truly brings us together. And it's only under Jesus. That we truly will have unity. And so until Christ is the banner. It's a wasted effort. Until Christ is the one. Who is exalted. And set in the highest place. It's a wasted effort. Unity is under Jesus. So the goal of God. According to this verse. Is that we would have unity. And that unity, of course, is through his son, Jesus Christ. And how does he do that? Well, Paul suggests that that's a bit of a mystery. But let me just give you an opposite thought here. If God's goal is unity, then the enemy's goal is disunity, right? He's always looking for what's opposite. He's always looking to be the antithesis. There's an enemy, and he loves division. And we have to be frank. When we look back at the last couple of years, the enemy has been laughing and celebrating the amount of disunity that's present in the world. And not even just in the world. Friends, even in the church, this has been a time of setback. But I feel God saying, by his Spirit, this is the time to capture unity. This is the time to come together. This is the time for us to be one, and we're one under Jesus. And so that's where I want to spend my time today. We really should join God in his mission through Jesus to bring unity to everything in this world. Everything under Jesus. All things under Jesus. So where is that going to start for us? I think it starts with our brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters in Jesus. And I'm talking about your brother and sister here in this room. I'm talking about brothers and sisters across this city. I'm talking about brothers and sisters around the world that we may not even acknowledge as part of our stream or part of our our, uh, particular brand. But they're a part of the body of Christ. They're brothers and sisters. And here's where the power of unity begins. I want to read to you Psalm 133. And it's so good, I'm going to read the whole thing. But don't worry, it's only three verses. So here it comes. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the beard running down, sorry, put on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robes. Are you seeing a picture here? It, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing even life forevermore. So what is, what is it that the writer of the psalm is saying here? Well, when the priest was anointed, they would take oil, And they would just, it wasn't like, you know, when when we anoint you for prayer, we just put a little dot on so you can wipe it off afterwards. But when they would anoint the priest, they would literally take the oil, pour it over the head of the priest. It would run down his hair, run into his beard. And he talked about Aaron. Aaron was the very first priest. And then it run down the collars of his robe. But this is a picture. It's a picture of the spirit poured out for anointing, for the task, for the job, for what they've been called to do. And this is where the blessing of God lives. It lives in the work of the spirit. And then it gives you this picture of Mount Hermon, which is in the north of Israel. It's a snow-capped mountain, and, the, and off of that snow-capped mountain, the river flows down into the Jordan. But off of that snow-capped mountain, clouds will come and rain over the city of Zion, over Jerusalem, over the temple. And so that beautiful thing, bringing that, that, that dew from the mountain into the desert, that's what unity is like. It's refreshing, friends. It's, it's powerful. It's, a, it's an anointing and how good and pleasant it really is. I want to give you three thoughts about unity today. And when it comes to walking in unity, we're going, to, we're going to make unity a priority for us here. And I feel like not only am I speaking today out of a sense of here's what God's word says. I think in many ways I'm speaking today prophetically about what God has called our church to be. And it's more about speaking into who we are and how we walk as followers of Jesus together. And I'll say this first. Number one, unity is a path to witness. Did you know that God has called us to be his witnesses? In fact, when we, get, when we get to the point of Pentecost, we have to get to where Jesus says, I've called you to be my witness. And so go and wait for the Spirit to come because I need you to be my witness. And you know what Jesus prayed as he was talking to his father in John 17, 21? He makes it so very clear that the world will not know. The witness of the church will not be present if we're not unified. There is something that will be missing. In other words, disunity destroys our witness, friends. I want you to think about how sad it is. You know, there's a world in need of hope. And sometimes Christians are simply arguing about who's right about their ecclesiology. Come on, friends. I think God is calling us out of that and into something greater. And I think that the world is not discussing the things that divide Christians it's only Christians who are doing that. And I think we should stop. Does anybody agree with me? You know, as Protestants, which is who we are, Protestants, we, we find our, our history going all the way back to the 1500s when, when uh, Martin Luther, part of the Reformation, we came, we came out of that stream. But as Protestants, we're very guilty of ignoring the riches of church history. Because we wanted to divorce ourselves of anything that we thought might be iconic, anything that we we really demonized a lot of the practices. There were dark times for the church, and we wanted to be distanced from it. But hear me say this, the first thousand years of the church belongs to all of us. Because it wasn't until 1054 when the church that we would know as the holy Catholic, not Roman Catholic, but the, the whole church, finally had a split it was called the great schism and it was in 1054 and in the great schism what happened is there were five bishops over the areas of eastern and western europe and this is where the church was living at the time and the roman bishop decided to change the nicene creed without consulting the others and the others got angry And so this is known as the Great Schism. It's the first time that there was ever more than one stream of Christianity. And that's when we got the Roman Catholics who followed Rome. And then we got the Orthodox who followed more of an Eastern path. And so that's the first split. And then in 1500, that's when we split off of, you know, there's the Church of England a little bit later and the the Reformation Reformation in, in Germany first. And so we begin to see now all of the splintering, all of the splitting, but the first thousand years belongs to us all and it's a shame that Protestants have divorced themselves from the richness of that history. And I really believe that there's five key theologies and I'm not going to get into that today. Maybe I'll share it another time. Five key theologies that Protestants have left behind that we have to regain. If we're gonna be who God has called us to be, we've got to regain these particular five theologies. I'll talk to you about them at some point. And when I talk to you about them it's gonna hurt a little bit. So that's why I'm waiting and I'm praying. I'm saying, Lord, prepare our hearts to hear that because it really is something I think that's going to usher in a time of God moving like never before. We're going to reclaim ancient wells and God is going to... I'm sorry, I'm getting excited. I better realize. (laughs) I just think that Protestants are guilty of ignoring the richness of church history. And I think there's a good way for us to begin to think about it. And, and I like what Pete Scazzaro says. He's been very influential in my, my Christian walk. He has, I think, a healthy perspective. And here's what he has to say. He says, we are one stream within the larger river of God. To me, that makes a lot of sense. We are one stream within the larger river of God. Speaking of Protestantism or any of the, the, the groupings, if you will, we are one global church with three branches, Protestant, Orthodox, and Roman Catholic. And then he also says, we are only one movement with our own dirty laundry and blind spots. Now, nobody wants to hear that. We want to be sure that we're right. And we have reasons why we're right. And we have reasons why other people are wrong. But here's the thing that I see. And the reason why I like this so much. The reason why I believe this to be so good is because unity requires humility. And to be able to say, you know what, we've got our own dirty laundry. We've got our own blind spots. We're just one stream in the larger river of God. We're a part of the global church. We're only one branch. God is doing something, and that requires humility. Lisa and I just came back from London, and we were in London on the invitation of Alpha, which has been a wonderful ministry for us for 20 years or more. Probably more. Uh, I think I saw Merv McMurray in the earlier service. I think he started doing Alpha. Pastor Ron, what do you think? Maybe 25 years ago or more. We've been doing Alpha for a really long time, but Alpha invited Lisa and I to come to sit with Nikki Gumble, who, you know, at HTB, Holy Trinity Brompton, where Alpha originated, and to, to meet with Nikki and many other pastors. There was about a hundred pastors from the UK, no, from Australia, the US, and Canada and we felt very privileged to be invited into that conversation and and here we are pentecostals learning how to shepherd the move of the holy spirit from the anglican Priest who's standing at the front teaching about the freedom that comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. I look to my right, and I see mainline evangelicals. I look to my left, I see Roman Catholics from Montreal. And I'm thinking, God, you're up to something. The Spirit is moving. The barriers are coming down. And God is bringing everything together under Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. How encouraging. And so I think what God is calling us to do is focus on what we share together. And I heard this in the teaching at our Alpha Gathering. All of us are sons and daughters of God. We are saved by Jesus. And what I saw, friends, is it doesn't matter which stream you follow. It seems to me that there's a whole lot of people who are seeking to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. And for that, I find myself greatly encouraged. Unity is a path to witness. And I think when we walk together in unity, the witness of the church is going to be powerful, friends. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited about that. Another thing I'll share with you is that unity is beautiful because diversity is beautiful. Amen? Diversity is beautiful. I want to share a verse from Ephesians, but I'm going to go to chapter 3 now. I've been in chapter 1. Chapter 3, verse 10. I'm going to share this verse with you, and I believe there's an insight here that really unlocks some of what we're talking about. And it says this in, in verse 10. His intent, talking about God's intent. God's intent was that now, listen, through the church... We're talking about this, this church, this large body, this diverse body. Through the church, the manifold. Can you say that word back to me? I want you to remember it. Manifold. Try it on again. Manifold. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. In other words, the church is speaking something to this world and beyond, speaking something to heaven. We are signaling something to God. And this word manifest is so important. It's only mentioned twice in your Bible. Right here, it's mentioned in the New Testament. It's the only place. And the word is polypoikolos. And this word means marked with a great variety. In other words, think, try that one on again. When we said manifold, it's through the church that, that the mark of great variety would show the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is diverse, and it's shown through the diversity of the church. This is also once in the Old Testament, in the Greek translation, which is called the Septuagint. And in that particular place, it's speaking of Joseph's coat of many colors. It's about diversity, friends. Oh, unity is beautiful because diversity is so, so beautiful. The church is supposed to be diverse. Can I get an amen for that? The church is supposed to be diverse. The goal is not homogeneous. The goal is diversity. The goal is whoever will come. The goal is every nation. The goal is all ages, all ethnicities, men and women and families and singles. And I just want you to take a moment and look around the room, friends. We've got nations represented here. We've got people who were not born in Canada. And I'm thankful for them because they represent a little bit more about what heaven is going to look like. Friends, you want to talk diversity? Let's talk about heaven for a minute. Streets of gold, gates with 12 different kinds of stones in it. We're talking about crystal seas. We're talking about crowds so large they can't be counted from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. Friends, the church and heaven are going to be diverse places. Let's make sure we're getting used to it. Amen? I'm just thrilled about this because this is the beauty that God gives to us. The beauty of diversity. Unity is beautiful because diversity is beautiful. It's this idea that we're different, but we're together. I mean, I can go anywhere in the world. In fact, I'm probably going to have to go to India this this fall because Pastor Christo will not stop bothering me to come. (laughs) I I kept telling him, Christo, it's a pandemic. And he's like, will you come? Pastor, please come and visit us. Please come and see what we're doing. I mean, he's so excited about what God's doing. I'm like, I'm not coming to India until COVID is a lot better than it is right now. So I'm probably going to go this fall to see him. And you know, it's amazing that I can go all the way across the globe. I can get off a plane and I can fall into the arms and the love and the environment of the presence of God and the believers around the world. Isn't that amazing? There's nothing like the body of Christ, friends. And the truth is, is this unity can only happen under Jesus. I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer. Unity like this can only happen under Jesus. There is no other ideology that is going to bring about this kind of beauty and unity with diversity. It's only Jesus. He's our only hope. I mean, you can think about your own family and how different each one of your kids are. You know, you get together and man, what is it that you're celebrating? The young and the old, it's diversity, the uniqueness of personality and so on. That's what family's all about and family is beautiful. And so unity is beautiful because diversity is beautiful, yes. And unity, unity is a pathway to witness. But thirdly, the Holy Spirit brings, he brings and he blesses unity. He brings it to us and when it's present, he brings his blessing. This is so, so important. Let me take you now back to chapter 1 in Ephesians verses 13 and 14 and share a really key verse for you. It says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit of guaranteeing our inheritance. So what is this verse telling us? It's telling us that the Holy Spirit is actually the deposit that guarantees that we are brothers and sisters, that we are united. And I love the picture here of the seal of God being the very presence of God in our individual lives. And I love this picture because it helps me understand my my view, my theology around the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, when the disciples were grieving over the loss of Jesus with his death on the cross, and he rose from, again, again, from the dead, and he appeared to them in John 20, the Bible says that he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. It's only the resurrected Jesus that could breathe upon them, and they would receive the deposit of the Holy Spirit they would receive this seal guaranteeing their inheritance. And when you come to Jesus, when you give your life to Christ, the Spirit comes. The Spirit lives inside of you. The Spirit testifies to the goodness of God, the truth that Jesus is your Savior. That deposit is part of the unity that we experience. And then, of course, on the day of Pentecost, these same ones that had received the deposit, continued to seek, continued to pray. And Jesus said, don't you dare go out yet. The deposit is wonderful. It brings unity, but you need the power. You need the infilling so that you can go out to be my witness. And so they waited in Jerusalem. And when we celebrate Pentecost, that's what we're celebrating. But you see, The unity that God brings is rooted in our common seal, which is the Holy Spirit, who's deposited within us at salvation. In fact, the Bible says it this way, we were all given the one spirit to drink. All of us, the same spirit. The Holy Spirit, our deposit, unifying us. All of us, one spirit together. So the Holy Spirit brings unity, the Holy Spirit also blesses unity. And I just think I've been struck this Pentecost season with the story of Acts 2 in a brand new way. And what I've been struck by is the blessing of the unity that's in the encounter. I want to just point out, I'm just going to kind of just point out the different parts where we see unity existing and I want you to think about it. Because, yeah, the Holy Spirit brought them into unity, depositing a seal within them. And then he pours out his power upon them because they were together in unity. Listen to it. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. Unity. In one place. Unity. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, unity. All of them, unity, were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You see, the Holy Spirit brings us into unity, but he also blesses unity when we choose it. When we choose it. When we choose to live in unity, there's a manifold blessing of God that is poured out upon us. It's diverse and it's powerful. And then we see next that the Spirit starts to just trickle that unity out, just like throwing it out everywhere because people are all hearing these Galileans speaking praise in different languages, all the languages that they know and understand from wherever they came to come to the temple to worship at this feast. And they're going, what's going on? We're hearing the praises of God in our language from across the sea somewhere. Friends, the Holy Spirit brings and blesses unity. And I just thank God for what He's doing in His church. And I'm believing that the Holy Spirit wants to bring and to bless unity among us. He wants to bring us into a greater sense of unity. It's God's goal unity. The Spirit brings the unity. So shouldn't we, friends, shouldn't we join God in his mission of unity by praying that the Holy Spirit would fill us, that he would unify us, that he would give us a a common witness, a a sense of of beauty and diversity and a blessing so that we can go out in strength and power. You know, I want to take advantage of the amazing blessing we have of the nations being a part of our house. I I, want to just I just want to display before the Lord that we are diverse and unified. And so I feel like the Lord put in my heart this little exercise that I want to do right now. Because see, I know God is moving. God's moving all over the world. We've seen powerful moves of God in South America. We've seen powerful moves of God in Africa. And I'm believing that God is ready again to move in Canada. I, I think people are fed up with life. I think they're realizing that this doesn't work. I think they're seeing the collapse and they're looking for something better. And you know what we need? We need Jesus. And then unity comes under Jesus. So I'm inviting dear friends of mine, Marcelo from Brazil, and I'm inviting my dear friend, Zachy, I mean, these are Canadians, but they're from other countries. Zaki from Africa, Marcelo from Brazil. And you know what I want? I want them to pray for you. I want them to pray for me. I want them to pray for us. This is their church family. They're a part of this. And this is the nation's friends. Let's practice heaven just a bit today. And let's let the spirit of God touch us and minister to us in a new way. So I'm gonna invite you to stand and, and I'm gonna ask my brothers to pray. And they're gonna pray for you as they pray for themselves because we want the move of God. We want the fresh move of God that brings unity and that blesses unity. So can I invite you, just position yourself however you would when you're ready to receive from the Lord. And I'm gonna say, come Holy Spirit. And when I say that Holy Spirit, I have faith to believe that right now you are coming in a fresh way. You are breaking down barriers. There are people in the room even right now that are running through their theology about what's happening in this moment. (laughs) God, help them to just know that your presence is safe. And we just want you. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to bring unity. Presence of the Lord fall upon us in a fresh way. If it is you, Lord, we want it. And so we position ourselves simply as children, saying, Lord, give us good gifts. Jesus, that's what you said. Our Father, who gives good gifts, will gladly give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, we ask.
1: Abba, Father, we are here just because of your sacrifice, and we bow down before you, God, to ask you to pour your spirit on us. I know that you brought me to this land and many of my brothers and sisters, because you have a plan. We are just part of it. So before you, Lord, all of us in this very moment, we say, God, you can use us, but for your spirit, because we can do it without your power. We cannot witness the power of Jesus by our own. That's why we bow down before you, Lord, and say you can use anything. So use us, God, to bless this land to bless our neighbor, to bless our co-workers, to bless our professors, our students, our friends and family, to bless this city, to bless this island, to bless this province and this country and the countries around the world. Yes. You don't have nothing to, to trade with you. We only have our heart to say God we wish to see your kingdom expanding and people converting to you and feeling the real life in their bodies in their families and then your miracles will happen so the Holy Spirit we are here available broken before you bring people from all nations from all continents to the project you are sitting here We say yes to you, Lord. We need your spirit. We need your bless. Bless all of us here as your family
2: in Jesus' name. Amen. We're just so grateful to God Almighty who we serve because the God on the first Pentecost day is still the same God we serve today. And is able to do it again and again. He did it on the Pentecost day, and in chapter 4 of Acts of the Apostle, when the apostles were gathered again, verse 31 of Acts 4 says, And when they had prayed, like we're doing now, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. I believe there will be a shaking in this place right now. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And so father we just thank you this our lord we thank you because you're able to do it again
0: yes, lord.
2: we have prayed and together we stand in faith oh lord god that right now there will be the outpouring of your spirit upon us all father jesus christ you are the baptizer john baptized with water unto repentance jesus baptizes even today with the holy ghost and fire so father baptize us again in the name of jesus would you come upon us oh lord god with fresh fire oh lord god that every bone that is dried up oh lord god will rise up again this hour in the name of jesus that your church will stand as one because that is your heart you prayed in john 17 oh lord god 11 and 21 you said that they may be one just as i and my father are one father we pray for unity oh lord god because there is one god one spirit and one church oh lord god under your leadership we pray oh lord god of glory that we will be united we will be empowered to go all out for you to witness for you in the name of jesus father we don't want to be lukewarm anymore we want to be on fire for you We want to take the gospel to the street. We want to bring people into the kingdom of God. Father would you move over this church in the name of Jesus. Would you breathe on us oh Lord God. Father King of glory regardless of the flavor or the brand Christ is the head of the church. Father would you unite our hearts in you in the name of Jesus. Father our heart cry is even now today. Your church, wherever the name of Christ is being called. Father, the heavens will open and there will be the outpouring of the fresh fire of the Holy Ghost upon us in the name of Jesus. Father, we do not want to remain on one spot. Move your church forward, O Lord God. Let there be fresh awakening, fresh revival, O Lord God, that you alone will take all the glory. Father, we are grateful because we know when we pray, you answer. Thank you for answers to our prayers. In Jesus' wonderful name we have prayed. Amen.
0: Now let me give you a blessing from God's Word. Ephesians 1 and Romans 8, the writings of Paul. He says, I keep asking That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And now Romans 8. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you in Jesus' name. Amen.